This podcast is made possible by Workday and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Jim Cirulli, CFO and Executive Vice President of Flagstar Bank, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 467. Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. On today's show, we speak to Elena Gomez, CFO of Zendesk. After serving in a succession of senior finance executive roles at Charles Schwab, Visa, Salesforce, Elena Gomez entered the C-suite at Zendesk a customer experience and help desk platform company that's posted some remarkable, largely organic growth in recent years. We speak to Elena about what's driving that growth and how she formulated her finance team after these words from our sponsor. In a world that's always changing, One thing never does. Your need to adapt. Your need to evolve. Your need to grow. That's why we built Workday, a single finance, HR, and planning system that can change as your needs change and evolve as the world evolves. To learn how Workday is helping mid-sized organizations embrace the future with confidence, visit us at Workday.com. Uh, and I share that because 
Um, you know, I have young kids who are girls, and I, I tell them you can do anything you want to do. But um, my experiences over the years um, really that stand out to me. There's so many, but I'll, I'll share a couple which I think were really pivotal in shaping who I am today. And I think the other thing is that as you have these experiences, whether they're good or bad, it's about what you take and learn from them. And so I'll share, I'll share a couple that I actually learned a lot from. Uh, so one was I was becoming a VP for the first time at a company called Charles Schwab. Uh, and I remember I went up for the interview, uh, and I came back down, and my boss said, you know, how's it going? And I said, yeah, well, well, he goes, well you got the job. So that's great. Uh, and I had interviewed with the chief marketing officer, Charles Schwab, back then. Um, her name was Suzanne, and um, she had told him, you know, she's young, but, but I like her. Uh, and all I could think of was all of my peers were, at the time, I felt old in their mid-40s, and I was in my late 20s. Um, but I remember these words my boss told me, which was, you know, you're going to grow in two years what most people will grow in five. Uh, and just those words I've never um, forgotten uh, for many reasons. One is I was already feeling, uh, you know, the insecure, brand-new VP. But also it kind of inspired me to work really hard for him and for Suzanne. Uh, and so I think about how I could do that for someone else. You know, and, and, and really to think that I can't underestimate the power of my words to someone else, especially in the role that I'm in. So that was a milestone that I, I won't forget. Another milestone, slightly different, was one of my direct reports told me that uh, everyone on my team was going to quit. I was a brand new VP of finance. And um, it, I came back from an officer meeting. It was my first officer meeting I had to go to. And I come back to the office because he tells me that. He drops this, everyone's going to quit as I was walking out the door. And it turns out I wasn't recognizing uh, the people that were working for me. So when I got back, he said, you know, you, you haven't said thank you. And it just stopped me in my tracks. Um, and another moment, and, and quote I won't forget, is, you know, you, you haven't said thank you. Um, so I went away for the holidays. I was around Christmas time and took some time to reflect on that. And I think that was a pretty important, pivotal change in my career. Uh, that now, um, that, you know, I always make sure I recognize the work that's happening around me and how important that is to uh, make make people feel like what they're doing really matters. Um, and I don't think I would be a CFO or, frankly, a leader if I didn't stop and recognize people along my journey. Uh, and then last one, of course, is becoming a CFO for the first time. Um, I appreciate now what that means, having been in the role for, for three years and, um, you know, I never thought I would be a CFO. It was on my bucket list, necessarily. Um, I wasn't sure I could do the job, uh, and I realize now that, you know, with great leaders and great talent around me, you can do a lot. Um, and so um, that was a, a, a milestone for me that's really shaped who I'm going to be probably for the next decade of my career. Especially, Tommy, you just met. You didn't necessarily think you were going to be a CFO, perhaps. And back in time... Get the sense that even at Charles Schwab, you could have gone a number of paths. You could have into the leadership ranks. It didn't necessarily have to be finance. Is that correct? That's true. I, I had spent most of my career in finance, but there were so many countless times that business leaders would ask me, "Why don't you come work in the business? Do you want to run a division? Do you want to come, you know, work in my? You can be a GM of an organization." And for whatever reason, my north star was always, "I want to stay in finance. I really like." the breath 
thousand of data you see, and really you get to see a company from a completely different lens. Um, so yeah, I um, chose the finance path, but there was many times I could have taken a detour. And just to uh, make the distinction here too, you're not coming from an auditing background. You entered into the finance department at Charles Schwab. I did. Yeah, no, I started my career at KPMG, so just to, to level, so that's where I started my career, but I, I ended up at Charles Schwab about six years into my career, and so I do think the KPMG experience as an auditor or consultant um, did create an amazing foundation for me, um, but I think Charles Schwab, when I got there, I, I joined, I always say, I joined as a a junior analyst, and I left as an executive. I spent 11 years there. Now, uh, I, and I have to mention as well, um, if, if it's uh, your, your tour of duty at Salesforce, seems to be such an important uh, company overall for technology and cloud technologies, of course, but also insight into non-financial data, which is something we're speaking increasingly to finance leaders about as they, they seek to measure other parts of the business. Any thoughts on your experience at Salesforce? You were there uh, a number of years. It was an investment uh, that you made with your career there before. Absolutely. So I can always say great things about, about my time there. In fact, um, you know, I think I got a, a, a great opportunity there to work alongside um, the now co-CEO, Keith Block, and uh, I helped onboard him, if you will. I was his finance right hand. Um, and over time, I grew to be a trusted advisor for him, and that was the best compliment I could, he could have ever given me uh, in front of the entire uh, company. And I think that he helped me really see beyond the numbers and really see how the company works. And so I've taken that and brought it here to Zendesk, and it's really helpful. I know we're going to want to ask uh, during the mentoring round towards the end of the interview, we'll want to step back with you and ask you a few more questions about your, your career building along the way. But uh, let's find out about uh, let's find out now about Zendesk and the type of opportunity uh, that enticed you to join them. What did you see? Tell us about this company. Sure. So uh, stepping back, Zendesk is really a platform company focused on, as you started the conversation around customers, and and we really put customers at the center of everything we do, um, and and very much. Um, as you know, nowadays, it's such an important part of the sort of modern economy. Uh, and we all know customer expectations are changing so fast. I mean, I get upset if my Amazon package doesn't come, you know, three hours after I order it. Um, and so, you know, just with that, it's a great example about how customer expectations continue to change, and they're changing fast. Uh, and so we're a company that really we try to um, help our customers build amazing customer experiences on our platform. Um, and it's not easy to do, but I think with the right data, with the right channels, um, and with trying to keep up with customer expectations, we've got something special here. Can, can we find out a little more as you enter the door? Uh, you have a team in place already. I did. Did you have to reorganize? Did you want to be able to do something a little different? What was your... Yeah, no, it's a great question. So, yeah, I definitely had to reorganize, but I'll be honest, I, I, um, I, I wanted to listen first. So I spent the first, um, you know, I'd say 60 to 90 days really understanding, um, you know, what's here. Um, I didn't want to make any changes actually right away, but I, I wanted to understand what was the landscape of what, of what I was walking into. Uh, and so 
I shared my vision. I shared the context as to what I wanted. I met with almost everyone in my org, including my global org. So I, I made sure I invested my first 60 days in meeting the entire team down to the most junior analysts. Um, and then I really asked them for help. You know, there was this misperception, if you will, that if you're a CFO, you must know everything. Um, and, and actually, I didn't. You know, and I was very humble about that and said, look, I need your help. I, you know, come from a very, you know, company that's in the same, you know, market, if you will, but it doesn't mean I, I don't, you know, need help. And I doesn't mean I don't understand, doesn't mean I know everything about Zenda. So help me on board. Teach me what I need to know. Teach me where the skeletons are. Uh, and so that was really um, a good, uh, I think, step for me because it made me feel more real to them. Uh, and then I built trust over time. You know, so I, I committed to certain things early on, and I made sure I followed through with those. And, and as you know, trust takes a long time to build. Um, but I think I, I had some early quick wins. Uh, and then eventually, to your point, I did reorganize the team to what I thought was what we needed to scale the company and where we needed our focus to be. So it was about scale. And, and, and as the company grew, you knew where the resources would need to go and where the, where the people there, did you have the talent to develop or did we have to re- look outside for that? Yeah, I was lucky in that. Yeah, so that's a fair question. So I was lucky in that the key talent, um, you know, at the time I had, I had a couple of thoughts that were, people that I was definitely going to keep uh, because they were strong talent and demonstrated, you know, even through the transition, they stepped up and, and were the right skill sets that I needed at the time. But I really needed to orient the, the, the finance team to focus on our future and not not be so much of the, uh, let's just say, play-by-play announcer, but be more the color, the color commentator. Um, and so we had, we had, we were very much focused on the past and not as much on what is our strategy, what investments do we need to make, who are we going to be in a year, two, three years out. And so I had to change the DNA of the organization to be um, more, to take the long view, if you will, and not just be focused on this month we close the books and here's what the numbers are, but what will the numbers be and what do we want them to be. Uh, and so getting that DNA into the organization was incredibly important, and I um, invested heavily in bringing on talent that focused on that. So I find it interesting. You're coming from, uh, you know, of course, I don't know if you're directly from coming from Salesforce. Forgive me. You did good. So you're stepping in from Salesforce, of course, who obviously, you know, you've, you've had lines of sight into data there and how smart they are about um, you know, customer relationships there. Now, you join a company at CFO that specializes in a, in a customer-centric right. uh, platform. Were you, were you wowed? Were you like, well, part of this is practical for finance, but this other part's not really for us. What, you know, what was the experience that you had when you studied the platform and understood you can incorporate the metrics or the visibility? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, so it's a a really good question. Um, So no doubt, uh, obviously, I leveraged my experience at Salesforce, which is amazing at data and obviously amazing at customer experience and all around, you know, the 360 view of the customer. Um, But at the same time, you know, I appreciated that Zendesk was in a different place and really building our own journey and sort of uh, trying to be disruptive in a place, uh, in a very, what I would call, fragmented market. 
But all of the data and elements that any CFO will look at, uh, renewable revenue streams, you know, what, what of your customer base is available to renew every single month, and how much of it are you going to retain, all those foundational things that I've learned over my career apply here, and it's a matter of taking that and distilling it into something that's um, relatable to the employees I have here as end of, um, and, and easy for people to consume. Right, so the, the moment I start talking lifetime value, I think I lose, you know, a lot of a lot of um, of the colleagues. But if I start talking about, look, this is how much it's going to cost us to acquire this customer, this is how much it's going to cost us to serve the customer, and this is how long we'll have that customer, then all of a sudden I'm, I'm more relatable to my constituents. And so I found that to be super powerful, and, and having the data to support that conversation has been incredibly powerful, too. Are there certain skills that you have uh, found challenging to bring into the organization? And I guess this goes back to our earlier discussion on your team, but I'm just curious, as you look to scale, as you look to achieve what you need to achieve, is there a certain set of skills that you, you, you're thinking, gosh, I need to find someone who can you know, cross over into this area? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a really good question. I, I think about this a lot. So there's a few things I think about as a CFO and, and as Zendesk. One is, you know, how can I get access to even more of the data that we're sitting on? And so do I need to hire a team of data scientists to help me get after the data and be more predictive with some of the information we have? Uh, and, and that's becoming increasingly popular in some of the other CFOs I've talked to that, you know, will say, hey, look, I'm hiring three or four data scientists, I'm hiring a few engineers. Um, so that is definitely on my list of things to consider because I do think it will improve the level of insights that we get from our data. And, and those are hard people to find because they're, you know, they're, they're data savvy, but they also have strong business acumen. <laughs> Uh, sounds silly, but it's very hard to find that talent. Um, or to find an engineer who uh, doesn't want to go work on the sexy product they're about to launch, but wants to go help a CSO build something that's going to give her or him more insight. You know, so that it's hard to find. But there are people who um, really enjoy that as part of their role to really see the holistic uh, view of the company. Um, so we're trying to find that. I think we're also really interested in people who have some experience with artificial intelligence and robotics, which is a common theme we're hearing more and more about with CFOs, and how do we take some of the, you know, high volume, low risk work and automate it um, and leverage some of the neat tools that are emerging now um, in our space. So um, it, it's no longer I'm looking for just the accountant, but I'm trying to get creative with how do I scale and get more insight into my organization. So we always like to ask for a finance strategic moment, and over time, your lines of sight have revealed things to you that no one else in the organization uh, probably was able to see. Going back throughout your career, this experience might have happened 10 years ago. It might have happened 10 days ago. Does anything come to mind when I ask for a finance strategic moment? It does, because it's something we talk about uh, all the time. Uh, so that's sort of the nirvana of any CFO, of any finance leader, is how do you bring and marry strategy and finance? You know, it's not, it's not always easy to do, uh, but there are so many moments, as you said, uh, that I can look back on. And I'll just share one, you know, very relevant here to, to Zendesk. Um, 
And when I came into the organization, um, as, as I mentioned earlier, I had to sort of reset the, the team a little bit and bring in, I would say, DNA, new DNA into the organization. But I also had to acknowledge that where we were as an organization, we, we weren't really putting those headlights out longer term. We were very much a what's going to happen this quarter type of company. Uh, and that was thrown through everywhere in the organization. And so I really worked hard to try to bring in this concept of a long-range plan. And I remember, you know, some of my peers, I would say, well, we need to build an LRP. And they were even asking, like, what, is, what does that stand for? Um, and so just the, the, even the nomenclature LRP, that lexicon is now living and breathing in our company, has become really the North Star of the company. Uh, and the reason that it's become the North Star is because it's forced the conversation around our strategies that we weren't having before. It was sort of in our CEO's head or within the, the president of products in his head. And it, it may have been in someone's mind, but it really wasn't articulated in a way that the employees could grasp it, align around it, execute against it. And so having a long-range plan is just something that I really pushed in the organization has really helped us align our strategy, it's helped us debate our strategy, um, and it's driven us to define it in a way that can be um, cascaded to over 3,000 employees. Um, and so that's been really powerful. And, and the finance aspect of that is just one element of it, but it's been a way for us to marry sort of our financial plan with the strategic plan. Uh, and it's been really good hygiene for us as a company. Is there a piece of that that sort of influences the shareholder, uh, the investor discussion as well, I would imagine. Um, and is there any challenges there with, yeah, I mean, with a, what is a long-term view, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think that, um, you know, if, if you've uh, read up about Zendesk, we have a billion-dollar, um, what people would think was a North Star. Uh, and we're really resetting that North Star and saying, you know what, um, a billion dollars is a stock on our journey, but the reality is when we look and take the headlights out, you know, two, three years from now, we see ourselves being a multi-billion dollar company. And I, I strongly believe, had we not articulated our strategy, our confidence in saying that wouldn't be as high. Um, and so, yes, it absolutely influences what I tell my investors, it influences what I tell my employees, my analysts, um, but there has to be substance behind it. And I think after, you know, three, or three years, we definitely... Um, took some baby steps, right? The first year I came, you know, there was not an allergic reaction, but I would say there was some, some subtle resistance. And uh, the next year, we, you know, made more progress. And in this third year that I've been here, I think it's, it's really taken a whole uh, life of its own, which is exactly what I want. It doesn't mean uh, there's more to do, obviously, but um, it definitely has shaped my external and internal communications. When we come back, CFO Elena Gomez enters the mentoring round with us. But first, a few words from a loyal sponsor. We'll be back. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. 
We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization. Our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. Okay, we're going to uh, move to our mentoring round questions where I get to ask you several quick questions intended to inspire and mentor aspiring finance leaders. <laughs> What's exciting you today about finance and business, Elena? That's a good question. Uh, there's so many things. Um, so I have to say I do love my job, and I think one of the reasons that, that I love my job is um, because we're no longer sort of back office. You know, as a CFO, uh, you know, the modern CFO, the expectations are so different than they were probably five, ten years ago. And so that's exciting to be part of the team that's going to grow the company as opposed to the team that's going to report on the growth, if you will. Uh, and so I think finance is no longer in its own silo, but really a key uh, stakeholder at the table. And, and I think more and more for CFOs, uh, the expectation is that you'll help drive the strategy, you'll help inform the strategy, you'll be a key part of the strategy, uh, which is, you know, for me, the, the best outcome. Because that's where I really enjoy the job. Not to say I don't enjoy the other aspects of the job as a CFO, but that's what really excites me. And it also gives my team a whole, um, you know, career around, you know, being trusted advisors and, and being really, you know, having skin in the game, if you will. And so that's exciting. And, and any time they get to be a part of it, it's like they are, they've been given a gift. Uh, and so I think it's a, it's a great place to be in finance today. When you first stepped in to the finance leadership role there, um, what is the piece of advice you wish someone had given you? You mean at Zendesk or uh, in general? Well, in general, the first time you stepped in to a role as a CFO, and forgive me if there was a tour of duty. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I think a couple things. One is um, as a CFO, you don't have to have done every single role within the CFO org. Um, I view it as, I'm sort of a manager, just like a manager of a baseball team. Um, and, you know, I, I played the pitcher spot and I played first base, but I haven't played second, third, or, you know, or catcher or first stop. But I know enough about the game to know how to lead. And so I think that's really important because I, I may have not taken the job if I felt like I had to play every position. Um, and so that's been incredibly valuable for me to have that perspective um, I also think, um, you know, early in my career, I wish someone would have told me, um, and I would share with someone, you know, EQ is, is just as important as IQ, and it sounds like a cliche, uh, but more and more both matter. And, and as you know, with the, with the uh, globalization of, you know, just the modern companies, um, you know, you, you, you have to have that empathy. Um, you have to have to be self-aware. You have to not be tone deaf to for what's happening around you. And you, know, you can be the smartest person in the room, but if you don't have that EQ and really understand the subtleties that are happening around you, it could really lead to maybe a different outcome. Uh, and so I often 
appreciate, you know, I may have all the data and I may have all of the numbers, but I have to really think through the impact to employees and the impact to other people in the organization. So I think that's really important um, as you take on any part of your career, definitely as a CFO. Where were you when you, you got your sort of exposure to uh, the investor community, earnings calls, all of that? When did you uh, get your experience there? You know, um, I had very limited experience at Salesforce. Um, so I would say the majority of mine came day two at Zendesk as a CFO. Um, I had, we had our analyst day. It was, it was um, I would say, I felt a, a bit overwhelmed. It was, you know, 100, over 100 investors and analysts, and I was thrown on stage, and uh, that was fun, a, a moment I will not forget. Um, and so, yeah, I had to answer questions, and, in fact, uh, someone asked me, so, um, tell us about the billion-dollar goal. And at the time, no one believed we would get to it. Uh, I said, what do you think about the billion-dollar goal? And it said, you know, in and, and that moment, it felt like I was on stage for five minutes with everyone staring at me and all the lights on me. Uh, it was probably five seconds. Um, but I said, you know, I wouldn't have taken the job if I hadn't, if, if I didn't believe in the billion-dollar goal, and that pretty much quieted the room. Um but that was my first experience, and it was um, overwhelming. But the reality is once you get into it, you know, you realize that if you know your company, which most CFOs do, uh, it's the conversation that you're having with them. Um, it's a little bit of marketing, of course, on some level, but at the end of the day, it's a conversation, and you're really trying to create the narrative for your company. Um, so it is fun. I, I like that part of the job. You also sit on a number of boards today and finance leaders in different parts of the country. This is... Um, sometimes uh, more challenging in certain places than others. Uh, but I would imagine over time you've, you've created a pretty good ecosystem and networking um, uh, for yourself, networking environment, and those types of opportunities surfaced, or how would you like to explain it? Yeah, you know, um, I had it in my mind that when I took the CFO role, I wanted to sort of get grounded in my role before I would take on any boards, but in my mind I knew that I would benefit from being on a board, especially as a sort of a brand new CFO. Uh, so, you know, I had my network and, and I had put a couple feelers out there letting people know I was open to being on boards, but I sort of wanted to get my grounding in my company. So I started building relationships and talking to people, but ultimately um, uh, see, both CEOs reached out to me through my network. Um, and, you know, one dialogue led to meeting the management team, uh, and then uh, here I am. So I, I'm on two boards. Um, one is a private company and one is a public company, and, and it was a really great experience, actually, to see uh, Smartsheet go public last year and be on that board as the audit committee chair. Uh, and what I find incredibly valuable about being on that board and being on both boards is really just getting to see a company from a different lens learning from other board members, uh, some with more experience than you, some with different experience than you. Um, those roles have made me a better CFO. Do you have a personal habit or a, a daily routine that you believe has contributed to your professional success in some way? Definitely. I, you know, I always say work, in, work life and, and personal are just so integrated. Um, it's sometimes even hard to distinguish the two, but I, I work out three or four days a week, and, you know, that just comes from really knowing that my mental and physical health are 
important to me, and and I also want to set a role model for my kids. And then I spend, you know, as many evenings as I can with my kids. I have young kids, and I believe having that balance actually helps me focus better at work if I feel like I've given enough time to the family at home. So um, those are the two things I would say I'm I'm pretty uh, religious about. I, I try not to miss those commitments. Is there a book you'd recommend to aspiring finance leaders? I would. You know, I read this book, um, Deep Work. Uh, it's by Cal Newport. Um, it's really interesting. It's a book all around with all of the data around us and distractions and iPhones and all these things. Um, it can be really hard to kind of cut through the clutter of <laughs> everyday life. Um, and this book really talks about the importance of having um, prioritization as, as a as a guiding principle and really knowing, like, what is important to you um, and how do you make sure that you're focused on that and not everything else that's really coming your way. And, and as a CFO, it's one of the first times I've really been, um, I would say, challenged where I just don't have enough time in my day to, to meet, uh, what, you know, meet with everyone that wants to meet with me go to every, everything that I need to go to, um, go to every meeting. And so it really forces me to ruthlessly prioritize, and this book sort of resonated with me in terms of the importance of making sure that you don't get distracted uh, by things that come your way, that get thrown your way, that you really go back to what's important and how do I make sure that I'm working on that. That's a perfect segue to our final question, which is where I get to ask you what your priorities are over the next. 12 months. What comes to mind when I ask for your priorities? You know, one is uh, finding that balance, right? Uh, as a leader, as a female leader on my team, um, you know, my team tends to, year-end always tends to be burnt out, and so here we are starting a new year, and I just want to, you know, be a good role model for them in terms of balance, and, and that's sort of high level, but more tactically, obviously, I've got to deliver our promise to investors, and so that's a huge priority. Our company's growing so fast, and, and I feel like as, as we get bigger, my job gets harder in terms of making sure execution happens, so that's number one. Um, you know, supporting the growth of the company kind of goes hand in hand with that. And then in my finance world, it's really just building more trusted advisors throughout the company, and, and that's going to become increasingly important as we get bigger. Elena Gomez, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Hello, listeners. Do us a favor. Be certain to subscribe to CFO Thought Leader on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or Google Play. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Oh, and by the way, the CFO Yearbook 2021 Print Edition debuts on Amazon this quarter featuring 100 profiles of finance leaders from our 2020 season. Would you like to learn more about our CFO guests? Order the CFO Yearbook 2021. Thank you for supporting our efforts to bring you career journeys of CFOs driving change. We'll be back 
with another episode very soon. Thank you for listening.